I V M. Paytm Money has built a completely digital investing experience where you can start investing in mutual funds in minutes. Yes, that's right, in minutes. Seriously, guys, no paperwork required. If you're investing for the first time, you can download the Paytm Money app and complete your KYC verification in less than 30 minutes. If you're an existing investor in mutual funds, you can enter your personal details and start investing in just a couple of minutes. That's it, folks. That's all it takes to get started on Paytm Money. So go to the Play Store or the App Store and download this app because smart investors choose Paytm Money. Or now, mutual funds ke liye bhi Paytm karo. Coming up next on this episode of Paisa Vaisa, investing in interesting times. Yes, I get the reference to the Chinese curse, guys, but. We all know the times that we are living in right now, and I know that a lot of you have a lot of questions on just making sense of what's going on in the markets, on the investment front, and generally making sense of things. My guest, Radhika Gupta, CEO of Edelweiss AMC. We're going to do this on a Zoom call. The audio quality might not be that great because, well, we're not in the studio, but we hope to be back in the studio soon. I hope that your best wishes are with us, and I hope that all of you are staying safe. So, coming up next, really special episode of Pesa Pesa. Hey everybody! Welcome to another week on the IVM Podcast Network. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Paytm Money Upfront. Guys, we're heading into week two of the lockdown, and I'm sure it's been challenging for all of you, just as it's been for us. We're doing our best to make sure that we maintain our schedules, but beg your indulgence if we slip. In the meantime, if you're looking for more stuff to listen to, might I suggest you go dive into the archives? We got over six thousand episodes of content we've created over the last five years, and I'm sure there's something in there that you'd love listening to. And with that, let's get you back to your show. Folks, welcome to Pesa Pesa. I'm your host Arupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and well, the show must go on. These are extraordinarily tough times. Something that a lot of us haven't seen. This environment, I mean, it's been compared to the World War, so it's tough. And I hope that all of you, your near and dear ones, your families are all staying safe in these difficult times. And a special thank you to each and every one. From our authorities, you know, whether it's the BMC or the police, the state government or the central government, whoever is on the front line, all the doctors, all the medical staff, all the volunteers, whoever is on the front line, our deep-hearted thanks to all of them. You are our heroes. So, folks, to you know, to go through these tough times and especially what's happening in the markets, as you would have seen, every day is just some kind of crazy moves, plus five percent, down five percent, and the lot of it doesn't even make sense the this quarter the quarter ended march has been one of the worst since the 2008 crisis because this is well you know to repeat the word a crisis and to make sense of this to tell us what we should do what you shouldn't do and how to read things going forward i have with me a really special guest a returning guest i'm really happy to have her on the show radhika gupta ceo at edelweiss amc if you're following her on twitter you would see that her timeline is thankfully full of positivity and a lot of advice Hats off to the Edelweiss team because they're doing a lot of communication with all the investors and everywhere to just you know navigate these very difficult times. So let's start with this recording. It's <laughs> I don't want to call it the market meltdown special, but we'll figure out the title later. But let's start with this. Arika, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, you know for doing this. Uh, I wish we were in the studio, but we are not. You're in your home. I am in my home. We are doing this over Zoom. So folks, the quality of this. uh audio recording might not be the great but we're doing the best we can adhika welcome to the show let's start off thank you well, thank you for having me i realize i'm a third time returning guest on my show so thank you thank you for that listeners thank you to you and your listeners for tolerating me multiple times <laughs> and 
as I said, we are doing this. I think it's extraordinary that we can still manage to do this, uh, you know, instead of in your studio, sitting in our T-shirt and pajamas across Zoom. I uh, still have a conversation in these kind of times. I think it's super cool that we can do that. Yes. So, Radhika, let's start off. Uh, you know, when I read your tweets, uh, in some of them, you've, you've made references to the 2008 crisis. So what exactly is happening? For someone, say, who started his SIP three or four years ago, with all the communication that has gone in, with all the awareness programs that have gone in, how does one make sense of what we're seeing right now in the markets? We are now in April. March, thankfully, is over. And it's been a really bad month. So just walk us through, you know, just to answer the question, what is happening right now? So I think, and I'll be, I'll be a little honest, I think there are two kind of investors. And I think the investor who saw 2008, which is why I make so much reference to it, is probably a lot more comfortable right now. But I think for the investor who's a post-2008 investor, uh, the 2014 kind of investor, as you said, it is a confusing time. I will mm-hmm. not take away from that. In fact, you are probably looking at the screen and wondering, what is going on? I think the first message I want to tell the investor is this is reality. It had to happen. Now, whether it happened in 2020 or 22 or whether it happened because of a war or Corona or some reason, this was going to happen. You know, once in a decade, once in 15 years, once in 10 years. And by the way, I do believe that these so-called events, meltdowns, black swans, as you call them, they're actually going to get more and more frequent in the world that we live in. So this Mm. has to happen as part of your journey. And I always tell, you know, young Anupam investment analysts who join me that it's very popular to say the investment professional, you have to see a cycle. Or I want to tell investors, you have to see a cycle. And this is your time to see that cycle. And the cycle is not easy, but the cycle is going to teach you a lot. You're going to become a much better investor after that cycle. I mean, I was slapped personally as an investor in 2008. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about that. Let's make this pause. You know, let's tell us about how you went through that. What was that like? You know, it was very interesting. So I started earning in 2005 and I started saving in six, obviously. And you take a little bit of time to get into the mold of investing. And I have to admit, I was 24. Bonuses were really good on Wall Street. And uh, I was like, okay, let's put this all into equities. I thought I was much smarter than I was. I'm going to come <laughs> Wall Street professional, etc. So put 100% of my money into equities. This is 2006-7. So it's great. And then, and I was like, I'm young, I should just do equities, you know, whatever. And everyone was doing it. And then Anupam 2008 happened. And now what happened to me is, not only did my portfolio value half, I worked for a company, an asset management company, whose AUM halved. Uh, My husband is also in the same profession. He worked for Goldman. Goldman's stock collapsed. Our bonuses collapsed. The returns of our funds collapsed. So everything collapsed together times two. And then incidentally, we had to move back to India in 2009 because we took that decision. And when we had to move back, we redeemed the funds, uh, obviously at substantial losses. And for me, that was my first big realization that, listen, I am basically very levered to markets. I'm like a 5x bet on markets because of who my husband is as a household. And so my personal finances have to be super conservative. And I learned about this then. And so now I make sure that my investments, and I can talk about more uh, there, are actually far more conservative, even though I'm a markets professional. So I hold a lot of conservative instruments because I realize that the rest of my life is very, very aggressive. 
And that's why I'm a lot more comfortable in 2020. It's a much easier crisis for me to handle financially than 2008 was. Okay. So messages now, you know, in the sense that just an answer to the simple question, what should we do? You know, and you can break down the category of investors anywhere that you can. You can look at someone who has, for example, whose SIP is three years old, five years old. I think even 10-year SIPs aren't doing exactly great. So I wanted to talk about two specific aspects. One from your own experience, which is which is asset allocation. Mm-hmm. And the second is, what should I do now with my SFEs? Let's just answer those two very specific questions. So what should I do on asset allocation? And, you know, before and, you go yeah. to asset allocation and SIPs, I think hmm. for 80-90% of the world, the first thing you should not do is react dramatically. I've said ah. this on social media itself. There's a beautiful quote that, you know, when you're stuck in a storm... It's not a time to make big strategic decisions because your mind is very clouded. Even as a CEO running a business, this is not the time to make large portfolio changing decisions because your thinking is very colored. And in a crisis, you know, in a bull market, we tend to paint a very rosy picture of the world. In a bear market like this, you you tend to paint an overly pessimistic picture of the world. So the minimum I want to tell people who are listening is, don't react dramatically because you're probably going to take extreme steps that are not good for you. I actually see transactions on a form of people not only cancelling SIPs, but taking money and moving it from small cap funds to overnight funds. I mean, this is just sheer fear. And that shouldn't wow. happen because right now, remember, the losses that you see are notional. When you press that exit button and act, those losses become real. So don't act. That's that's step one. Um For an SIP investor specifically, what you will feel like is my returns are super negative. Remember why you did the SIP. You probably did the SIP for a goal. That goal was a long-term goal. It was probably a five to seven-year goal. Um, Keep that goal in mind and don't react. Don't stop your SIP. Obviously, if you have income or job challenges, then things are very different. But remember, you did SIP so that you could actually accumulate more units through this market correction. So please don't go out and stop your SIP if your circumstances let you not stop your SIP. That's the biggest disservice that you can do to yourself. Have the courage to get through. I also want to tell you that, you know, there are lots of these messages that float around saying SIP investors have not made any returns for the last four years. Don't measure equity performance at the bottom of a cycle or at the bottom of an extraordinary event. It's like me telling you, Anupam, if you were a salaried employee, I'm going to do your appraisal after the worst month you've had in the year. I just judge you basis that. That's probably not such a good idea, is it? (laughs) No, no. So I think I think that's a nice comprehensive answer to begin with. You know that uh, right now when you do anything, you are actually making notional losses real. As you said that you you actually know people who are probably stopping a mid cap or a or a small cap SIP and putting it into an overnight fund or whatever. That's when you are actually you know making the notional losses real, and that you should not be comparing an S, something like an SIP which is a long term product when it's at its worst cycle. We've got that part, you know, and. I am continuing my SIPs. That much I know for sure. I don't know about the listeners, but I hope that your answer has helped them through that. Tell me about the brave. You know, some people who say that, okay, why don't I start an SIP right now? Tell us about your thoughts on that. So I think, look, there is, you know, the old saying about being greedy and starting to invest when markets collapse is a very valid one. 
um i would also say that obviously markets are a game i mean someone told me very interestingly today that mutual funds are not like buying soap when you know you know when you buy soap that you know you wash yourself and you smell nice with mutual funds it's a little bit of a risk reward right either you'll make money or you may not make money right i found that interesting now your chances of making money if you invest after the market has fallen 20 30% are probably better than your chances of making money if you invest after the market is up 20 30% i mean this is just basic common sense and i mean this is common sense that everyone reiterates obviously the challenge of investing at a time like now that people commonly face is look the markets are down 30 i invested and what if they fall another 10% i would say this that you know there are great opportunities that are company, coming there are companies that are down 50 60 70% and you know obviously funds are down that much so there is an opportunity to invest if you are investing one be prepared that you're not going to time the bottom perfectly nobody nobody times it the best of fund managers don't so if you are investing be prepared that you could lose another 10% but look if you are investing over 5 years you've got things and i mean you've got things at 30 40% discount now if you didn't get a 70% discount just keep that in mind second you can also stagger your investments sips are a good idea to start if you're doing lump sum investments we've also told people that if you don't want to be completely heroic but want to start getting your feet wet the three month stp is a very good option to look at uh, so that's also something that you can do because you know uh, that will smoothen out a little bit of this volatility it's very hard to predict anupam what will happen when this covid-19 threat will get over whether things will bounce back super sharply you know so in 2001 markets fell and the bounce back happened in a month in 2008 it took a year plus for the bounce back to happen so no one can really time that in that sense an stp helps you a little bit okay there was some very interesting data that niranjan from edelweiss had shared Uh, I think yesterday the, his tweet reads like this. You see, he says, "Gaining from downside protection since year 2000." And I'm just stating the facts, uh, listeners. This is not any opinion. This is not anything. These are just pure facts. This is past performance. Where he says that since year 2000, markets have clocked negative returns for six years. In 2000, it was down 13 percent. 2001, minus 15 percent. 2008, minus 51 percent. 2011 minus 23 percent, and 2015 minus 3 percent, and 2020 year to date we are down 29 percent. And he's saying by protecting just 10 percent of downside in these years, your portfolio returns would have been 184 percent higher. Can we just make this a bit simpler for our listeners, Radhika? Because we are just talking about past data. This is not about what's going to happen in the future. This is not. I I just want to understand this this you know this very interesting research uh, uh, data point better for our listeners. So I'm going to simplify the same point that the data is trying to explain with a very basic mathematical example, Anupam. And I think it's a very powerful example. So if you have a hundred rupees and your hundred rupees becomes twenty-five rupees, right? To go from or your hundred rupees becomes twenty eighty rupees. Sorry, so you've gone from hundred rupees to eighty rupees. To go back from eighty to hundred, so you lost twenty percent of your money when you went from hundred to eighty. To go back from eighty to hundred. How much do you need to make back? You need to make back twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent. Yeah. Now assume your hundred rupees went to fifty rupees. So you lost fifty percent. To hmm. go back from fifty to hundred, back to your capital, what do you need to make? You need to make hundred percent return. In the first scenario, you lost twenty percent to win back to par, just 
to where you started, you needed to make 25%. In the second scenario, if you lost 50, to go back to 100, you actually need to double your money. And what Niranjan mm-hmm. is trying to say with that data, which is something that we say is it's very important. And this is where the whole point of asset allocation comes in to control your losses. Because one of the challenges is that if your losses are so hard to bear, then coming back takes forever. And a lot of people just don't have that staying power. I mean, there's a beautiful example from history that one of the reasons that Russia is so conservative as a country compared to the US is that both of them won World War II, but Russia lost 10x the time number of soldiers that the US did in World War II. So sometimes crisis, if you lose too much in a battle, it's very hard to continue. You know, your losses can't be more than you bear. Um, And that's what that example is trying to illustrate with the help of simple math. And that's why we keep making, by the way, that point about asset allocation, that if your overall portfolio is down 50%, you know, you have that human tendency to just say, forget this all. I'm never investing again. I'm sitting in the bank. I can't handle this. But if your portfolio is down 10, 15%, you know, somehow you emotionally have staying power. Wow. So just walk us through that. <laughs> this is such a powerful point because people, for some reason, refuse to look at us at portfolio level performance. You know, they are just so caught up with this market is down 30% and this and that. I want to wrap up this episode with on this exact point, asset allocation, because, you know, there is one group of people who believe so much in finding the bottom and investing in the bottom. Maybe it's an ego thing. But what I've realized is, you know, any stock that falls 50% can then fall 90%. So each time that you think that you're actually buying something cheap, you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's why portfolio performance and that's why asset allocation makes such a big difference. So just walk us through this as this, you know, your entire thought process on this asset allocation framework, which I think, you know, times like these bring out the importance of asset allocation. Maybe it's once in 10 years, but when you see your portfolio's hit is just 10, 20% because, you know, you were smart enough to park some money in a debt fund. I don't know. So just take us through that. So I think asset allocation is a big word, but actually it's very simple. It's just not putting all your eggs in one basket. And that one basket is Indian equities. When you do asset allocation, what do you do? You take your 100 rupees and you put maybe 50 in equities. You put some amount in fixed income. You put some amount in gold. Maybe you put some amount in some dollar investments because by the way, the rupee has also collapsed. Now, a lot of people think... Yeah, why do I need to do this? I have a 10-year holding period. Equities is the highest return asset class. And, you know, why do I need to have any debt? And Exactly. And then these years like this happen, and they look at their 100% equity portfolios, kind of like me in 2008, Anupam, and they're like, <laughs> okay, I need money to take out, but damn it, this is 50% down. Should I take it out at a loss? Now, when you have a portfolio that has some element of debt, Debt is providing that cushion. So 50% of your portfolio may be down 30%, but there's some part of your portfolio that's actually up 3-4%. So on an aggregate basis, you're sitting at 20%. And if you need to take out some money for some expenses or some crisis, life is uncertain. And times like these are uncertain, by the way. Um, Then you have that debt portion of your portfolio. And also, you know, 20% gives you staying power that 50% doesn't. We are human, we are emotional, and there's a certain amount of panic. Asset allocation helps you control that panic. In a sense, I feel like it's that thing that lets you live in the market to fight another day. And a lot about investing is just being there to fight another day and a week and a year 
and times after that. Okay, Radhika. So I think you know some very important lessons from whatever you've said to us so far. I think the first one to me was a very good one, a very important one. That is, don't do anything in panic. If you're selling out, you know, just because uh, you're seeing so much of red and so much of losses in your portfolio, just think for a while. because then you make the notion losses into real so i think that is the one lesson that you want to just think and pause and reflect doing anything in panic might not be the right decision that's the first one the second one is understand the math of when a stock falls or when your portfolio falls like adhika said when you go from 100 to 80 it's a 20% fall but when you go from 80 to 100 it's a 25% rise okay so understand how that works that might help you to you know understand how asset prices move and the third one is asset allocation and the importance of diversification at a time like this okay so you want to look at different assets now what those assets are would depend on your risk return profile where you are in terms of your age and all that so you might just want to think about that put a pen and you know piece of paper or an excel file and figure out your asset allocation we don't give specific recommendations out here and i'm you know and i'm actually not sorry about that because that's one thing for paisa paisa Uh, we are not out here to give recommendations that's for you to figure out uh, on on your own but i think the knowledge is something that we would definitely like to share with our listeners and i hope that radhika has conveyed a lot of these important messages to you last question to you radhika yeah, my whatsapp groups are just full you know so it's it's so extreme there is one group which is saying this is a bottom buy this buy this buy that the other is saying no this is the end of the world this will happen and then there are all kinds of rumors flying in the air my god you know sometimes for someone who's not you know who's not accustomed to uh, this kind of a uh, sheer flow of stuff how do you navigate this you know news rumors what do we do so we are in and i'm glad you asked me that we are in a world that is surrounded by news i mean you know my husband and i were just discussing we both capital markets professionals both of us have individually exited about 10 whatsapp groups in the last two weeks <laughs> okay i'm not kidding because there are so many messages on covid which is a very serious issue and i only want commentary on that that is genuine and factual and very few people have factual things to say about it and medical professionals do and similarly on the markets and my recommendation to people is honestly to watch a little less news and also to look at their portfolios on a form a little less if you look mm-hmm. at your portfolios once a quarter you know what the news does it tells you to look at your portfolio every day and that's going to spread panic so news should be relevant to your portfolio if there's something material that's happened in mutual funds and you are an investor in those funds by all means you should be taking action if there's something that ha- that's happened in a bank and you're a customer of a bank by all means you should be taking action but random news for the sake of public watching news i would encourage you not to believe rumors about anybody any organization anything if you have facts ask questions there are enough resources in the world of social media that you will get an answer from the horse's mouth do not believe extreme optimism do not believe extreme pessimism these are times to listen to people who are a little balanced um and if you can't find people who are balanced then shut off but extreme optimism and extreme pessimism is probably not good for you i am going to narrate you a tiny story um that i think might help this so much advice floating around on how you should manage your money and who you should be so i had shared some part of my personal story on investing and what i had done similar to what i had narrated to you anupam and someone came back to me and told me that you have a very conservative investment style 
What would Warren Buffett say if he heard about your story because he believes in 100% equities? And I wrote to that person, I said, actually, with all due respect, it doesn't matter what Warren Buffett says because my circumstances are very different from his circumstances. He's a billionaire with a certain net worth and a certain set of circumstances. I am me with my own circumstances. And I think that's what I would communicate to listeners, that you have your own set of circumstances. And ultimately, I mean, Anupam, you said very rightly, we don't give advice. Your personal finances are a function of your circumstances. So let's listen to the stuff around you, but take decisions that are right for you. I do believe in investing. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be a trader. You don't have to be Warren Buffett. You just need to make sensible investment decisions with a little bit of common sense and a little bit of good principles. Um, and that should be about it. I can see from your timeline, you're, you're, my God, you're getting a lot of questions right left and center. Adhika, and thank you so much you know, for actually keeping communication lines open. I think that's great. That is something we did not have in 2008. I, you know, I was also there at that point of time. And I remember that we didn't have this option to actually directly ask uh, fund managers and, you know, people from the industry our questions. So thank you so much for doing that on your social media timeline and also for doing this recording for us folks. That is a wrap on this episode of Pesa Besa. The key messages, do not panic. Think number two, asset allocation, number three, diversification, and number four, mathematics. So you want to just think about all of this, all of uh, of what you've heard, and please be very well informed before you take any decision whatsoever. You know, do all your research, do all your homework, and then and then do whatever you want to do, honestly, because we out here believe in giving you the necessary information and perspectives that could Hopefully make you make smarter financial decisions. That is the wrap on this episode of Pesavada, folks. We are trying our best to have guests on the show and we hope to have new episodes for you every Monday. Stay safe, guys. These are really tough times and I hope that all of you are staying safe, staying healthy and I wish us all the very best at these times get over really soon. Radhika, thank you so much for doing this for us. Thank you. Stay safe, stay happy, stay smiling. Thank you, Radhika, for that end note of optimism. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision. Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc, etc. It's all content and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. Welcome to Peak Planet, a new podcast where we delve into the fallouts of the growth path that we and indeed much of the world has chosen. Sustainable growth is the buzzword. Until we nail that down, we need to ensure that we keep our population healthy and also have the resources for our increasingly urban lifestyles. I'm Karthik Ganesan, a researcher at the Council on Energy, Environment and Water, a Delhi-based policy research institute where for almost a decade we've been trying to explain and change the use, reuse and misuse of our resources. In the first season of Peak Planet, we take up air pollution, public enemy number one, and an invisible one at that. 
increasingly the most important risk factor for adverse health outcomes air pollution has become the most unwanted byproduct for aggressively growing economy over four episodes we find out how prepared our systems are to deal with this crisis you can catch the entire first season of peak planet out now on the ivm podcasts app or website or wherever you get your podcast from